also passed the time by playing classical Sufi music on Persian instruments, like a frame drum called a daf and the stringed tar, always singing Sufi poetry to the music. I sat on a tattered Persian carpet and listened, dipping my sugar cubes in my tea just like they did, and trying to meditate, just like they did too. Formal rituals also governed Sufi life. When the dervishes greeted each other, they said, Yahak, the truth and performed a special handshake by putting their hands together like a heart and kissing that heart. When they entered or left the meditation room, they kissed the ground by touching their fingers to the floor and then to their lips. When my mom and other Sufis prepared Iranian dinners, the dervishes sat around a tablecloth spread on the floor. I helped arrange the place settings and then waited with my parents for the other dervishes to sit down before finding a spot. The Sufis ate in silence. Generally, nobody spoke unless the sheikh spoke first, and it was understood that everybody should finish their food before the sheikh did so that he was not kept waiting, though often the sheikh ate slowly so that no straggler would feel uncomfortable. These humbling rituals were important to the Sufis, helping them break down the self, which Sufi teaching considers a barrier to love. Such a way of life appealed to the dervishes many of whom had left Iran and other repressive societies to live in Canada and the United States. Some Muslims consider Sufis to be mystic heretics, and they are severely persecuted in the Middle East today. But even though many of the Sufis I knew had led difficult lives, they were always looking forward. Their demanding spiritual practice, with its emphasis on self-denial, service, and compassion over personal gain, comfort, and pleasure, elevated them. It made their lives feel more meaningful. The Sufis who meditated in our home were part of a long tradition of spiritual seekers. For as long as human beings have existed, they have yearned to know what makes life worth living. The first great work of human literature, the 4,000-year-old The Epic of Gilgamesh, is about a hero's quest to figure out how he should live knowing that he will die. And in the centuries since Gilgamesh's tale was first told, the urgency of that quest has not faded. The rise of philosophy, religion, natural science, literature, and even art can be at least partly explained as a response to two questions. What is the meaning of existence? And how can I lead a meaningful life? The first question addresses big issues. How did the universe come to be? What is the point and purpose of life? Is there anything transcendent, a divine being or Holy Spirit, that gives our lives significance? The second question is about finding meaning within life. What values should I live by? What projects, relationships, and activities will bring me fulfillment? What path should I choose? Historically, religious and spiritual systems laid out the answers to both questions. In most of these traditions, the meaning of life lies in God or some ultimate reality with which the seeker yearns to be united. Following a moral code and engaging in practices like meditation, fasting, and acts of charity help the seeker grow closer to God or to that reality, endowing day-to-day life with importance. Billions of people, of course, still derive meaning from religion. But in the developed world, religion no longer commands the authority it once did. Though most people in the United States continue to believe in God, and many consider themselves spiritual, fewer people go to church, pray regularly, or have a religious affiliation, 
and the number of people who believe religion is an important component of their lives has declined. If religion was once the default path to meaning, today it is one path among many, a cultural transformation that has left many people adrift. For millions, both with and without faith, the search for meaning here on earth has become incredibly urgent, yet ever more elusive. My family eventually moved out of the Sufi meeting house. We came to the United States, where the busyness of everyday life trumped the rituals of meditation, singing, and tea. But I never stopped searching for meaning. When I was a teenager, that search led me to philosophy. The question of how to live a meaningful life was once a central driving force of that discipline, with thinkers from Aristotle to Nietzsche all offering their own visions of what a good life requires. But after arriving at college, I soon learned that academic philosophy...